So it was a lot of soul music, of course, being in America. Yeah. You know, a lot of R&B. Yeah, I mean, you name it. Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. It was Aretha Franklin. It was always in our house. So always booming around. Booming around, yeah. always. Yeah, always. My mom used to wake up on Saturday morning and she had a, like one of those old stereos in her bedroom. Yeah. And she would just put it on and just turn it up full volume <laughs> <laughs> from her bedroom. And we'd be like, wow, okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Homing In. I'm Matt Gibbard, co-founder of The Modern House. My guest this week is the wonderfully wise Jacqueline Rayburn. Jacqueline is a jewellery designer whose work I've admired for many years now, uh, probably because it's so architectural. I hadn't realised that she's entirely self-taught, which makes the precision of her pieces even more amazing. As you probably know by now, we try to record these podcasts in the guest's home whenever we can. Uh, And this one's particularly exciting on that front because Jacqueline lives in a 1960s house perched on a hillside in Los Angeles. On a characteristically steamy LA afternoon, we sat in her kitchen with the doors flung open, enjoying the hazy views over Silver Lake Reservoir. As is the custom on this podcast, I asked Jacqueline to talk about a home from her past, her current place, uh, and then a home of the future. She tells me what it was like to grow up in a big family and how the soul music that boomed around the house was somehow a form of defiance against the racial tension that African-Americans were feeling at that time. We talk about how the pandemic inspired her homing instinct, why she's enjoying living with less, and also her love of mid-century modern houses. Before we begin, a quick plea from me to please tap follow and new episodes will magically appear in your feed as soon as they come out. Thank you very much for that and on with the show. So, Jacqueline, you you wanted to talk first of all about your sister's house in Oakland that she lived in during the 70s. But before that, can we just go back further? Where where were you born? Where were you brought up? I was born in Bitburg, Germany. My father was in the military, so I was born there and we left when I was about three, four years old. And then we moved back to the US to live in Texas for a little while, about five years and then we lived in Alaska, which was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Uh, we, well, I mean, it's my parents had a choice to live either in Alaska or Hawaii. And they chose Alaska. <laughs> I think there was more money or something yeah, or like something, that. Yeah. Something was better there, obviously, <laughs> not the weather. And it was interesting. I mean, it was very bleak. But it was quite magical because, you know, the, the, the beautiful landscapes and mountains and, and you know, every, everywhere you look, there's waterfalls and, you know, all of the, you know, amazing animals that sort of live with you. I mean, we used to look out of our back window, which looked out into the woods, and we'd see like caribou and moose sort of walking past the window. So it, it was quite fascinating. We knew a lot about our family in Berkeley. Like, so my in grandmother, yeah, my grandmother lived in Berkeley because that's where my mom's from. Right. So in our minds, everything was just so much more exciting and interesting and, you know, from the music to just everything was more exciting. So we were really desperate to move back to California. And then we did when I was around 15. Okay. We came back to California 
and, and 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 who and who did you live with? So you got a sister. I've got four sisters. Four sisters. Yes. Wow. Yes. So we we all lived together in a house that was, you know, it was our home, but it was a how do you say like a track house here that we called a track. House. What's a track house? It's where you have four houses, four styles of houses in an area that you could and you can choose one. Very nice. It wasn't an architectural gym by any means, sure. but. It was our lovely, cozy home. And what, what, and what did you like about it? Do you know what I love? Now, in retrospect, we had a, a kidney bean-shaped swimming pool in the garden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which you need there. Which you need it when it, it's, you know, it's 100 degrees in, in the summer, so yeah. you really need it. And yeah, and that was, that, was, that was amazing. It was small, but it was yeah. ours, you know, yeah. and we, we really enjoyed that. And tell me about your mum then. What, what, what was she like? What did she do? My mum was a really lovely, compassionate, I want to call her a healer, actually. She was a nurse, but she was really yeah. a healer. And she loved children. And mm. she had six of them. And she was, she was an amazing mother. So was it five girls, one boy? Five girls, one boy. Okay. Absolutely. What was yeah. that like for him? Not. <laughs> Have you ever asked him? Well, for us, it was much easier, obviously, because yeah. it was five girls. But he managed. He managed. It was fine. Yeah. So tell me about your sister's house that you wanted to talk about. Oh, my sister's house. So my sister, my eldest sister, she was quite a bit older than the rest of us. And she ended up marrying a lovely man. And he had really good taste. Not that she didn't, but he had really good taste and mm. I'll never forget we went to see her beautiful mid-century modern house that she just moved into in the Oakland Hills and so it was an A-frame okay. mid-century modern house and you we walked in it was very minimal we walk in and then there was a sunken living room you know it was like exactly like very 1960s 70s feel you know big open fireplace and I love when we went into her bedroom because we were just, you know, with big eyes looking around everywhere. At that time, which was very important, she had a waterbed. Did she really? Yes. Of course she did. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. She had a waterbed in her, in her, they slept in a waterbed. And I just, you know, being quite young, I was like, wow, this is everything. And yeah. it just stayed with me as the ideal way to live. You know, it was a very kind of open communal space as well. So it was, was it like a sort of social kind of heart of the family in a way as well? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was. And we'd drive up from Sacramento on the weekends and go to her house. And okay. she'd make lovely dinners. And yeah, it was amazing. So how old were you at this point? I was about 15, 16. Okay. So was that the first time you think that you became aware of this modern way of living? Yes. Yeah. For sure. And before that in your childhood, was there anything that you can look back on that gave you your kind of sensibility somehow? When I think about the home that I grew up in, there were a lot of white organic sculptural objects throughout our house. Mm-hmm that I know now it definitely has impacted the way I design today. Right. For sure. I remember my parents had these beautiful wood and glass tables in the living room. Yeah, they were just very organic and a little bit like, you know, the Carl Albert tables. Sure. It was that feel, but it wasn't Carl Albert, but, mm. but very, very nice. So yeah. I do think a lot of the objects around the house most definitely impacted the way I design jewelry, for sure. 
So like being from a, a big family like that, I'm interested always in whether you could find your own personal space somehow, because obviously there's always a lot of other human beings around. So was that an issue for you when you were a kid? It became an issue when I was a teenager, like mm. when I was around 16. And I just remember that I knew I was going to be leaving and I left at 17. Did you? Yeah, I did. Because I needed to find myself. And mm. You can't, I don't think you can find yourself unless you go out into the world mm-hmm. and, 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 and let's say cut the cord yeah. and have your own experience yeah. without any judgment. Yeah. I think that's really important. I think it's important to do that. Yeah. And it has to be the right time for you, doesn't it? Absolutely. So it sounds like you were ready. I was completely ready. Yeah. Yes. I left high school early. I I graduated early so that I could move. Did you? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I was ready to go. And if you look back on your childhood, like, was it, was it happy? Was it, was it complex? How would you describe it? It was, it was both. I mean, what, what, what would you say were the kind of more difficult things in your childhood in a way? The difficult, the, the very difficult thing which um, we had to come to terms with is that when we were living in Germany, my sister had an accident, so she was burnt on 50% of her body. Oh, wow. And so that's why we immediately went back to Texas because there was an amazing burns unit there. So so that was that that was tough. That, that was, that really, was tough. really tough. She was in the hospital for five years. Oh, wow. And, I mean, I was quite young. I, I, I just imagine that it, it just must have taken the joy away from, from my parents, mostly because we were so little. It must have just sort of taken all the joy away. So and, this, is the, uh, this is your eldest sister? The, 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 the second, second born. Yes, yes. So, I mean, that, that, that was complex because, you know, in those days you didn't have a therapist to help you to deal with these kind of things and to... For a young person to know how to navigate the world, you know, when they've been in a situation like this. So, you know, but but my sister was amazing. So, and were your parents together? Do you have a father? Yeah. yeah. And what did your father do? My father, so my father was in the military. So, oh, yeah. So he was a military policeman. He was not artistic at all. Yeah. You know, he was very, he was, he was, he was a provider. Right. That's what he was, and he made sure we were very well taken care of. But in terms of art and design, that was of no interest to him, but that's fine. Music was, because it was for all of us in our house. Was it? Yeah, absolutely. What kind of thing? So it was a lot of soul music, of course, being in America. Yeah. You know, a lot of R&B yeah, I mean, you name it, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, it was Aretha Franklin, it was always in our house. So, so always booming around. Booming around, yeah. always. Yeah, always. My mom used to wake up on Saturday morning, and she had a, like one of those old stereos in her bedroom, Yeah, and she would just put it on and just turn it up full volume <laughs> <laughs> from her bedroom, and we'd be like, wow, okay. <laughs> But yeah, so that was that music was really important in our house, yeah. most definitely. Is it important to you now? It is important to me now, but it was very, very important in in those times because you know we were living in America and it, there was a lot of racial tension, and you know my parents were were amazing, and so music, I think for most African American people, was like salvation. You know, it saved us. There were so many songs that were 
inspiring mm. and there were so many amazing love songs and mm. you know we weren't being loved so mm. music that was spreading a message of love was super important for us yeah so that was our medicine for sure so dare I ask how did that manifest itself you not feeling loved in that way I mean it's, it's awful isn't well, it people don't love it. you like you know when you walk out into the world and yeah. you can see the way people if they're not loving you they're hating you right right and yeah. you can see the hatred in people's eyes you could, you, sometimes you could just feel it as well. So, you know, navigating, you know, the world from that perspective, you sort of learn how to do it. Do you? So what, is, what does it do? You just, do, you, do you feel like you're walking around with your fists up a little bit or how does it? No, no. no. You're sometimes, when you're young, mm. right now, it's very different. Yeah. you sometimes walking on tiptoes. Right. You're sometimes walking with fear. You're walking with sadness. And then you're walking around thinking, you know, these people are mad. So it's a combination, depending mm. on the day. Yeah. Uh, but when you're young, you can't help but feel overwhelmed by that. Totally. I mean, now I just walk around thinking people are mad. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what, you know, you older, wiser, you don't care what people think about you. Yeah. So with that backdrop, you're 17 and you leave home. What do you go and do? So I, I studied fashion design in San Francisco. Probably not the right place to do it, but I think it was, I wanted to live in a city. Yeah. And it was the closest city where I could study design. So I studied fashion design there for a year and I lived in San Francisco and in Oakland. And that was great. But then I just, I just had a desire to live in LA. So I moved to LA to do the second year of okay. studies here. Why did um, why were you drawn to LA? There's just something about LA, like the weather, mm. you know, the, the the city, the nature, I mean, at that time, the music and it was just a I found it a really exciting place to be, having come from a suburb and I just yeah, just um, I, amazing people and it was a really amazing time to be here. So what were you immersing yourself in at that point? What were oh you doing? Oh my goodness, what wasn't I doing? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was completely, I was learning about life. Yeah. And learning about myself. So to do that, you know, you do an awful lot of going out and partying and socializing and, you know, meeting interesting people or not so interesting, which you can also learn about yourself from that. And I just, I was really having an amazing time mm. here. And then I, I found my calling here as well. So that was quite important. I found what I was meant to be doing with my life. How did you do that? So I was completely, I wasn't really sure, you know, I knew that fashion, as much as I love it, it wasn't for me to be completely in the fashion world. I knew that just because of my, my character, I felt like I was a little too shy or Right. To, to, to be immersed in that world. And one day I was walking down Sunset Boulevard and there there was a beautiful, at that time, back in the 80s, jewelry gallery called the M Gallery. And it was basically artists and jewelers who designed jewelry, but the most beautiful jewelry, most beautiful gallery, the displays were incredible. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And the owner, Michael Dawkins, he was incredible. He had such great taste. I mean, I learned a lot from him and I learned an awful lot about jewelry as art. So that's 
where it started and I didn't realize it was going to take me on the journey I've been on but I just got obsessed and mm. I didn't want to study so I started to learn I taught myself did you yeah I did how did you do that it's hard work I mean I did my first all my first pieces were were hand sculpted right from sculpting clay mm -hmm. so I would hand sculpt all the pieces and then I would have them cast right so they were very, the, in fact, that er, my early work is called Raw Elegance because it was just that. Yeah, there's a lot of imperfection, but mm. that's normal when you start. And so I started designing and working on ideas here. And then I moved to London. And London is where my work really took off. And what, why did that happen? So that was 1989. I arrived in London. Mm. And I was already quite focused on what I wanted to do. Mm. I think it was that pure focus and not many distractions when you arrive in a new city you don't know that many people so there were very few distractions and I just happened to meet the right people how did you come to the decision to move to London did you, did you do that for the work no no love story love story yeah okay it's either love or work isn't it it is yeah <laughs> It is. Okay, it's for <laughs> love in moved. this instance. Who yeah. did you fall in love with? So my partner that I was with at the time is English. Yeah. And you, do you meet him in America though? Yeah, here. Okay. And we lived here and then we were together for a couple of years and mm. then that was it. Okay. And I stayed. Where did you live? I first lived in Islington when I first moved there. Highbury, Islington. That's where I grew up. Is that where you grew up? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was great. I came with very little, yeah. <laughs> like you do when yeah. you move somewhere. And it was quite magical the way everything just sort of fell in place. Well, it sounds like it, say. but that, ha that does happen though, doesn't it, I think? Yeah. It, if you have the right, if, if your mind is open. Yes. As you say, you meet the right people, don't you? Yes. Because it's all about that. And if you're really focused, I mean, it's almost like, when you're so focused, it's, it's almost like a meditation and it's bound to manifest itself. Maybe not in the way that you thought it would but eventually it does mm. so how long were you in London for 32 years 32 years yes wow so that's a it's a long tail to that it's love a lifetime affair. right yeah yeah that's amazing so so tell me about the work you know you, you you said at the beginning it was very handmade and unrefined and 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 tell me about the evolution to where you are now okay so in the beginning yes it, it, it was quite it was raw yeah I was learning Mm. But people loved it. Mm. Mm. What was interesting was, you know, with jewelry, you have to do, you have to get the weight and the balance right. So I was hand sculpting these quite heavy pieces and casting them. Mm. So my pieces were really, really heavy. Yeah, but you got some out here now. Yeah, yeah they look heavy. <laughs> and it became my signature. Yeah. And it, it yeah, it, it became. I mean, if you if you hold this one, for example. I mean, so this is this is a ring. That's a ring. That's a ring I designed for Carpenter's Workshop Gallery. Beautiful. It's a part of, of the series called Metanoia that I designed for them. So this is a recent piece? That's a recent piece, yes. Really lovely. Yes. And what's the stone in, what's set in there? That's rutilated quartz crystal, which is my favorite stone. This is a ring I designed for, one of the first rings I designed for George Jensen. Okay. It's wow. from the Cave Collection. But, but I mean, they're actually, they're very, they're very precise though, aren't they now? Very. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how my work went from being quite, you know, organic and a little bit rough. And now 
it's well that's what happens when you work for a long time yeah, it gets right. perfected and refined and and what was so amazing about collaborating with George Jensen because it it gave me the time to really perfect things whereas when I was just you know producing my own collections mm. and I was selling to stores like Colette and Barney's and you know all the lovely stores around the world but it was fashion mm. so they expected something new yeah every season which I didn't believe in that as, at all I thought that was odd right you know I think if you design an amazing piece of joy it's it's for a lifetime and so when I started designing for George Jensen in 2000, it gave me like time and space to really, you know, come up with an, an amazing concept and to perfect it mm. and to tell a story with my work. Yeah. And so George Jensen freed you up because they gave you scope to do what you wanted, did they? Or? It's interesting with George Jensen. I mean, the first collection <clears throat> that I designed is called Offspring. And so this bangle is the first piece I ever designed yeah, for them. Stunning. It's at the time my son was quite small and they gave me the brief of an egg. Yes. <laughs> and so I created this 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 egg-shaped bangle and basically the collection pays homage to the relationship between mother and child. Okay. And that unbreakable bond between mother and child. Hence the large shape with it attached to a, exactly. to a small shape that's, that's, that's similar. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful, I have to say. Thank you. Thank how, you. How, how would you characterize your work now then? I think I'm, I'm known now for expressing the human experience through my work. Right. And all the sh shapes and forms are really connected to the body, you yeah. know, the, the, the shapes that our body make naturally yeah and it's always the stories always evolve out of my experiences which probably are everyone's experiences right. as well we all kind of have this a shared experience but they're slightly different versions oh. of and so like this collection's called mercy and i guess i might have been lacking it at the time not me personally but needing it right <laughs> needing it um okay so it's about you know being more compassionate towards others and being a little bit more, having more empathy. And how does that compassion and empathy come through in that shape? How would you describe that? It's just the way it wraps around the body and kind of embraces okay. the body and, okay. it, and it, you feel supported mm. and you feel nurtured mm. and, and protected, I hope. That's yeah. what I hope when people wear my jewelry and that's the idea, yeah. really. That, that's my vision. Because you're wearing a lot of your own work now do you do you wear your own jewelry every day yes All of, and so and you've got a lot of it right yes so you're always kind of heavily accessorized yes and and how does it make you feel to do that what why wear jewelry i mean for me i absolutely wouldn't don't i don't go out the door without my jewelry on because it's my it, i feel protected when i wear it i feel i feel empowered mm. i really feel empowered Mm. I feel if I walk out the door, I feel very, very naked without it. To be mm. honest, mm. Um, it's, it's it's a part of me now. Yeah, that's it. It's a part of me, and, yeah. and I just keep piling it on as I get older. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's what happens, doesn't it? It's with, great. No, no with women, so. they just suddenly the you yeah. know the big pendant and the yeah. you know comes out and the big cocktail rings and yeah. uh, But I love it. I love it. It looks amazing on you. I have Thank to say, you. that's a, you're a great advert. That's the other thing. I mean, you keep wearing it because you're a great advert for it. I'm always working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about this place. So you've okay. kindly invited me to your current home yes. in Silver Lake in yes. Los Angeles. So so how long have you been here and how did you get hold of this place? So I moved here during the pandemic two years ago. And I'd been living in London for 32 years. And um, I've always dreamed about coming back to California, always. But, you know, I have my son and he was, he was you know, in school in, in right. London. And I always said, oh, when he's finished school I will I will leave but that didn't happen and I finally decided to come in February of 2020 with my son because we hadn't been for a while and how old was he at that point 25 okay yeah and it was just the minute I we landed and the minute we got the car and started driving around and it just this is overwhelming sense of lightness that sort of came over me like my shoulders dropped a bit and he looked at me and he said I think I'm going to move here and I said I am too wow and it was like that and then the pandemic hit and we were like oh my god well it's not going to happen now but it ended up happening anyway despite the pandemic because this house came it belongs to a friend of a friend she wrote to me to tell me it was available to rent and sent me a PDF with images. And I was like, wow, that's how I always dreamed of living. Yeah. And when I was in London, I always dreamed of living like this. And I would always try to look for houses in this spirit, but it's not possible, not in London. Yeah. Actually, you're more the expert than I am. Well, (laughs) you're right, though. I mean, it's never quite the same, is it? Mm -mm. Because... As we look out here, you know, the, the, just just the heat that you get here and the light that settles over the place is different. It is. And you're overlooking Silver Lake Reservoir. Yes. And you do feel amazingly connected to nature in a way that I haven't seen when I've been in LA for a few days now. It's the first time I've really felt that, actually. You really feel it here, and you there's this overwhelming sense of calm here as well that I love, and, and, and especially, obviously, in the morning. It's just like, it's just so peaceful. It's, it's just heaven. Mm. And, yeah, I knew that I would live like this in my, you know, when I'm meditating yeah. on how am I going to live. Yeah. Especially in this chapter of life, you sort of have to think, okay, Mm. What is this going to look like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this chapter of life. Yeah. And I knew I, I need. I felt like I needed to come home, and I definitely needed to be in a place where the where the sun was shining every day. Okay. And it was warm. So it was really important. Did you struggle with the weather in London? I did. did. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess a lot of people do, but yeah. I think if you're born and raised there, it's much easier. Mm. If you're born, you know, or raised in an environment where you know at Christmas time it's eighty five degrees. Yeah. <laughs> You sort of, yeah, it's a little harder. It's yeah. a little harder. And I think it, it just started to wear on me. Mm. And of course, for everyone, the pandemic wasn't easy mm. at all. And I think a lot of people ended up going home, mm. whether they went back to the UK or, you know, an English, some English friends I have went back to the UK. Mm. It happened. Mm. It just, I think people needed to feel at home. 
So you've got a homing instinct. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, That's so interesting. Just a quick one. I'm really pleased to say that this podcast is sponsored by one of my all-time favourite brands, Vitsu. Over the past 25 years or so, I've been very lucky to visit hundreds of beautifully designed living spaces. Uh, And if I could name one product that I've seen more than any other, it would have to be the 606 Universal Shelving System from Vitsu. I think the reason that so many people from the creative industries live with Vitsu shelving is because it's so incredibly versatile, both functionally and visually. It works in big spaces and small ones, uh, modern places, traditional places, townhouses and country houses. Uh, And the key to its success, I think, is that it's been paired back to its absolute essentials. Um, Dieter Rams, who conceived it back in 1960, famously said that good design is as little design as possible. Uh, And I couldn't agree more with that. To find out more about this brilliant product, you can visit vitsu.com. That's V-I-T-S-O-E.com. Right, back to the podcast. So how, just describe this house to us, because obviously this is audio, so it's a little tricky on that okay. front, but it's not, because it's not like, I mean, when was it built, this house? It was built in 1961. So it was a mid-century modern house yeah. in 1961. Then in 1981, the owners did some refurbishment. They built the terraces that yeah. are on the back of the house which look out to the reservoir, which is amazing. And so there's terraces on all three levels of the house. Mm. So from the top level where my bedroom is, you can see it from where we're sitting in the dining room. And also from my son's has his own sort of suite downstairs. (laughs) And you could see it from there as well. So I think that's what is so magical. And there's a lovely soft breeze as well here. Can you feel it? Yeah. Even when it's boiling, you get this kind of lovely soft breeze. And you've got because of the terraces, they act as overhangs as well. So they're they're shading you. They do. Absolutely. So it's not hot in there. No, not at all. Even when it was hot really hot a couple of weeks ago it mm. was still you know it was it was not unbearable mm. so so the back of the house you know is you know we have a lot of glass uh, mm. doors here wood frame glass doors that that open up onto the terrace on every level you say it's it's just bliss mm. it really is and you I, immediately felt a sense of relief did you when you got here yes but it took me a moment because even though i am american i lived in in london you know, I, I grew up in, in London. Mm. That's where I found myself. So mm. that was hard. I get that. Well, also, you know, even your accent is a kind of combination, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So it's, it's all in you. It's all in me. You can't deny it. I can't yeah. deny it, yeah. So the the kind of defining feature of the interior of the house is this double height living space that you have. Yes, so it, it seems to me that it's what's what's kind of great about the house is it's all interconnected. All the spaces seem to relate to each other, don't they? Yes, they do. They do, and it, and it's quite it's quite open. There's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of light in in this space, and and the, the air sort of moves through the space mm. nicely as well. And it's it's it appears to be big, but it's not really. It doesn't mm. feel. I like the house that's cozy. So sometimes when you have too much space, it takes the coziness out of it. Yeah, this is just perfect. And then white walls. White walls. Always white walls. Always white walls. Why? The lightness. Mm. I mean, I do love. I love wood paneling as well. Mm. I mean, I can imagine 
I mean, if you look up, the ceiling was wood paneled at yeah. one time, but it has been painted white. I mean, mm. I would probably strip that back. But um, right, I what for the warmth? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be it would be amazing because that would actually make it feel more mid-century as well. It wouldn't would, it? yeah, absolutely. So in 1981, they made some changes to this house. And then again, they made changes in 1995. Mm -hmm. So it's been through a little bit of refurbishment. Mm -hmm. For example, this was the kitchen was closed off and that's all been opened up. So yes. the kitchen looks onto the to the living room area, yeah, which I think works really well. And tell me about the things that you choose to live with. I know you haven't got everything yeah. from your old life. I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But how, how, like, what's the plan? Like, how, what, what kind of how, what kind of furniture do you like? How do you envision envision this space being? Well, I myself, I have a lot of furniture from Danish designers. So I have some venue sofas, and mm -hmm. you know, I love Carl Albuk. I have some of his lovely wooden tables. Yeah, and I have some Tobias Scarpa tables. Right, and so I have a lot of. A kind of mix of the furniture designers I love from the past, yeah. you know, and then which work perfectly in this space. Yeah. So they really will. Yeah. Yeah. That will happen very soon. It's on its way. Yeah. It's the rowing machine staying in the middle of the room. Yeah, the rowing machine's going to stay it's there. The I love centerpiece. the I love the rowing machine. <laughs> <laughs> I need the rowing machine. Yeah, yeah. exactly for sanity. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And you've got some really nice built-in joinery in, in the dining room here. Is that, yes. That looks original. That's all original. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. I think it's great. It's really nice mm -hmm. and apply. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that works really well. If I was to ask you kind of, because I'm always interested in people's possessions and the things that they have around them. You know, mm -hmm. you're a very discerning woman. So what, what's what's important to you here? Like, What are the objects that really, yeah, have the most meaning to you? It's very interesting because I have a lot of objects in, yeah. in London, a lot. Yeah. And I have very few here. Well, that that's kind of interesting, isn't it? So you've left mm. a lot behind and and, what, mm. and have you missed anything? It's, it's interesting that I don't. Yeah. I, I, there's something about living with less. Mm right now for me that that feels right mm. hence why my things have been in London for two years mm. you know the things that I loved and and you know the things that I bought over the years which are all beautiful and they'll be here but there was something about just starting a new chapter mm. yeah and not bringing the past into my present yeah for a little while yeah I think that's good I think it was very important for me to do that mm. Because if you have all your past around you, then you're constantly reminded of that. And if you're trying to move forward in your life, mm. in a new place, I think it, it was, it's quite quite important to have some space between between that. It's interesting. What's it like at night in this house? Amazing. I know I keep saying it's great, but but it, it just the light as well because you know if you look out, so you look out and you see the other side of Silver Lake and mm. you and, and all these amazing houses. I mean, there are some incredible architectural gems on that side of the lake. Mm. You have Lautner houses there, Neutra houses. You have everything is on that side really mm. more than this side. But the, it's the light from the houses in the evening. Yeah, that's just spectacular. It's 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 incredible. 
I bet dusk is great. Actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And do you entertain here? Do you do you cook for people? Do you have people over, or is it very much your space? It's very much my space. I just needed the space. I do from time to time, not as much as I will do in the future. But I just needed to get grounded here before. Mm. I, I move slowly as well. <laughs> yeah. With people, I move slowly. So that's, right. you know, yeah. When you, what do you mean by that? I think it's good to take your time with people. That's mm. that's called wisdom, uh, especially in a new city when mm. you're meeting, you know, I know people here, but then you meet new people and, you know, the, in, the energy of people's, it's important to take that on board because it can affect you in a positive or a negative way. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes, it, a lot of the times it's negative. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I just take my time. But I think it's a really interesting comment. Yeah. Actually. So the, I just, the idea of taking your time with people, you've arrived from this place and you're just going to feel your way through it for mm-hmm. a bit. And also when you arrive living in another place, you have a certain energy on you that people are drawn to. Mm. And like I say, it can be people that are amazing and it also can be people that you get to learn from. Because the thing about LA, of course, is that, as we all know, it has this reputation. The movie industry, of course, is mm-hmm. here, and it has a reputation for being very forward mm-hmm. and brash, and absolutely, um, you know. So, so, so taking that into account, that makes it even more important, doesn't it? That is exactly why I'm very careful because yeah. you know, there's there's people come here and they're very hungry, and and mm. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Some people make it, a lot of people don't, and, you know. They can there's you know, they can, yeah, they can, there's some tragic stories here. Mm. And there's some, you know, the world sees a lot of the successful stories, but when you live here, mm. you can see the tragedy. You could see it, you know, in some people or, you know, the sad part about living here is that there's just a lot of homeless people there is, here. It's, it's really nice. It's really terrible. Yeah. And it's got, I think, a lot to do with the opioid epidemic here. Just so tragic. The sad part is there's, clearly so much wealth here and then you have you know this situation with the homeless and we're in california where there's so much land yeah so i hope that you know they're gonna resolve it just by building some amazing housing and also it's not just the housing people need rehabilitation too you know Mm. there's a lot of problems with drugs so that's that's Mm. you've got to get to that Mm. you've got to deal with that as well yeah um you can't just put someone in a house i think you can but you've got to deal with people's mental state too. Yeah. To resolve the problem. Yeah. So one of the other things that's sometimes leveled at LA, and you recognize this, is that, oh, it has no heart to it. It has no center. Where do I go? What do I do? I can't, you know, I can't fathom. I can't piece it together. Yes. What, what do you, how do you find kind of moving around the city? Do you find it like that? It is like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's no heart at mm-hmm. all. I mean, it's a, such a big city as mm-hmm. well. Going from point A it's to B, vast. it's vast, isn't it? Yeah, I've just there's certain areas that I end up being in. Obviously, here in Silver Lake, I spend most of my time here. Mm-hmm. And then, if I want to go to Malibu, for example, then I know that is a day trip. Yeah, sort of. It's a full, it's a full, full day. Yeah, <laughs> it's a full, it's a day trip, and yeah. then I'll go over there and spend time over there. But yeah, I seem to be more east than west. And I have to say, people are really friendly here. Yeah. Have you felt that? I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Very much so. I mean, cool. yeah, the uh, you get a lot of change out of the Uber drivers. I tell you, they, they you get a lot of life stories. Yeah, yeah. they like <laughs> they, they don't stop talking. Yeah, like. yeah. And I like that. I like that people. I mean, maybe it's the weather. I don't know. People are very open, friendly. Mm. You know, they'll just start a conversation and mm. you know, and it's 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 not necessarily like that in London. Mm. No, I think you're right. Not necessarily. Not that it's bad, but it just isn't, right? It de- it depends, but I, I I do agree with you. Having grown up in London, I agree with you. Mm. You, you that you have to have a yeah. It's 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 just that you. I when I come back to London, I still try and catch people's eye and say hello, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> is what I'd I say. know what you mean. Everybody's in a hurry to <laughs> yeah. Everyone's in a hurry. Get somewhere or yeah. do something. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a great it's a truly great city though. So do you think it is just a more open culture, more opportunity? I do. I think there's still, and I think that was something that I, I really wanted to be around as well. There's still that optimism. You yeah. know? There's still that, that sort of American dream idea. Yeah. It's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Despite, you know, the, the politics or, or any of that, it's still, it's still very much alive. And I, I, mm. I like that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like that. Well, let's move on to your, your third and final home, which is, yeah, a home of the future, a home of your dreams. What, what would it be like? Well, a part of moving back here as well is that I am a big fan of the architecture in Southern California, in particular Lautner and Neutra. And as you know, there's a lot of in this area. There certainly is. <laughs> kind of incredible homes and I like that the the philosophy of how one should live in a home mm. from both of these architects and it was it's the idea of space light you know you bring the outside into the house the yeah. nature into the house yeah you know by having a lot of glass windows and doors that open up onto a terrace um, which we see a lot of now mm. but you know back in those days that was just it was unusual yeah, it was to radical. live like that, you know, and um, and so there's a house here in LA that I really love, and it's a Neutra house. It's called the Loring House. Okay, and what I really love about it is it is a mid-century modern house. It's very light, but it's two buildings, so you have the house, and then you have a separate building which is a design studio. Mm-hmm. That is just incredible like and it's not it's very modest yeah it was and yeah they're always modest mm. it, you know that it's just that idea of having these two spaces one for living and one for working that are separated but they're one of the same property yeah um it's stunning it's a nicholas canyon so it's up in the hills so you have the view is it um, privately owned or can you visit it it's privately owned yeah yeah. Have it you been inside? It was just on the market. It was just, it was the, just market. the market. Is that how you saw it? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I'm not that competitive, so I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it my the old fashioned way and, and just manifest it, and it's gonna happen, just like my career, and, yeah. and it'll just fall into place, and it'll just yeah. that that'll be where I live. It'll be by accident. That's that seems to be your bit your approach to life. You're, is, you're quite circumspect, aren't you? I am. Yeah. That's how I found this house. I mean, everything yeah. happens. The good things always happen like that for me. Mm. So I'm going to let that, I'm going to use my old trick, I think. <laughs> but I'll find something. If it works for you, I love that. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. It's a really nice way to be. Yeah. Do you feel stress? Here. 
Yeah, I mean, in general, do you get stressed, anxious? Uh, I was feeling it in, in London, I'll be honest. Mm. I do get a little, little anxious, sure. Why mm. not? Mm. A little stressed sometimes, but mm. not. it doesn't sort of take over. Yeah. I think it's the normal amount that everyone has. Sure. But it doesn't take over because I've just got tools to put that to rest. What will their tools be? Meditation. And when do you do that? In the morning. Every day? In the evening, yes. And that really, that does keep you, keeps you balanced for sure. How long have you been doing that for? God, at least 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yoga. Mm. But the meditation for me is actually more important. Yeah. And do you do that at home or can you do that anywhere? I do it here. Are you an early riser? Here, yes, because the sun is like screaming through my <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> windows in the morning, like, wake up. Yeah. So I wake up around six o'clock okay. here. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that in London. What would be your advice to someone like me who actually doesn't feel like they could almost get to that level, if you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel too present in a way. I don't know. I feel, I feel too... It's like my nerve endings are too, yeah. too, too jangled, you know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't understand I how people can do it. So I just say that you don't have to be sitting in a certain position or mm. you can lie in your bed on your back and right. just wake up and do it. That's what I do. I don't sit in, you know, with my legs crossed at all. Okay. It's just more about waking up you know, and, and actually just being grateful that you're, you've got another day. So it's a positive reinforcement. Totally. Yeah. Is there anything that you're afraid of? That's a really good question. I guess not, because it would have popped into my head. I mean, I'm not perfect at all. But yeah, I've worked on that one. Yeah. You could work on that, not being afraid. Yeah. I felt a lot of fear in London, though. Did you? Yeah, I did. Can you think of something specific that you've had to overcome like that? It's a lot around the business, you know. It's, Mm. It's not easy you know, being the creator of your own vision and, you know, and putting it out in the world. And when you do do that, you know, you get some amazing people around you, but you do get an awful lot of people that are are around you for all the wrong reasons. So, mm. you, you know, you have to take care of that. Mm. I'm starting to sound like I don't like people and I really do. <laughs> I love people. It's just that, you know, they, they, you know, you learn so much. You learn a lot more from the, the, the horrible situations, I think, which is... Yeah, you, you don't come you, across you as really someone that, that dislikes people. You, you come across as, as wise. I love people. So you sound pretty grounded. Are you, I mean, thinking about this, this future home of yours, are you on your own in that space, do you think? I don't mind. You don't mind? No. So you're pretty comfortable in your own... Yeah. Existence, yeah. I am. Yeah, of course it would be amazing if there was a lovely person living with me. <laughs> Are you open to that then? I'm open to it. Yeah. Getting back to Richard Neutra, so I went yes. to the VDL house oh, yes. the day before yesterday, yes. which, which is just below us here, isn't it? Yes, yes. And it's, it's just, just so fantastic. I mean, I was quite bowled over by it, I have to say, but... It's the it's all those things you talked about. It's the light and it's the connection to nature. <clears throat> and he, you walk out onto a terrace, and originally it it had 
flooded with water deliberately mm-hmm. and the the reservoir actually came a lot further in than it does now so the idea was that you sat on the floor and he's put these floor cushions down and you looked out and and the roof and the reservoir became one thing mm. and it, it's it feels like everything is in service to its surroundings absolutely you know and then and then at the back it's just this lovely courtyard with a mature tree in it and it feels cool and it feels you know it gives you a bit of respite from the city mm-hmm. um and then the, and the scale of it is very humane it's very it's actually very compact but just right. enough just enough is what i would say absolutely it's not like i said there's it's it's cozy because there's just enough space yeah but there is something about you know the architecture that we're talking about mm. you know the mid-century modern beautiful lotner houses and houses. They were thinking about your well-being totally back in the sixties. Yeah, they were thinking about okay, what, how, how are you going to live in in a meditative state in a house? Mm. Really, is what they were thinking. I think. Yeah, and so they created all these case study houses. Mm. And well, actually, as well, one of the Neutra houses is called the Lavelle Health House. So there you go. <laughs> it wears its heart on its sleeve in that front. Exactly. And you know it's it's inviting the healing powers of the sunshine in, and then you have a pool for cooling off. And Absolutely. It, it's, yeah. So that's how you see your future, isn't it? I can see that completely. Yeah. Yes, that that is my. That's for this chapter of my life, one hundred percent. The way the way that I want to live. Yeah, and you'd have a pool, wouldn't you? I, I think I need a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be big, but it definitely has to be there. It's hot yeah. here. Yeah. Right? It is hot. Yeah. It's hot. But and do you think it's a I suppose my my last kind of thought for you would be do you think it's a place to grow old in because it seems to me that there's a lot of young energy here isn't there? So how, what, what how do you feel about that? It's a, it, this is a, a city that that a lot of younger people come to make it. Let's yeah. face it. They yeah. do. But there's still a community of people that have been here forever and they have mm. their you know they have their businesses, you know there's a lot of you know, actors and actresses here that are, you know, of a certain age. And I do think it's a place where you can grow old. Um, mm. I think you just need the right. I mean, you know, this city is, is, is very much about, if you can, having a nice space to live. Mm. People spend a lot of time in their homes here. And then a lot of time in restaurants. Yeah. So you think the home much has greater importance in LA? Yes, I do. Why do they spend more time in their homes here than I wonder? I think it's because, you know, this is also a city where the public transportation is, is, is not great. Yeah. So you're going from point A to B in a car. Mm. So it's not like you can walk the streets of LA, like you can walk the streets of London, which is fantastic, and, you know, happen upon a pub and then go mm. to a restaurant or, mm. or go to the cinema or whatever. You know, you, you, you get in your car and you, you have a mission. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go home. Yeah. And then you go out to eat. <laughs> yeah. And then you're home. You know, it's yeah. quite, I think it's like that anyway. I, I, that's, yeah, that's yeah. how I find it. So if you could summarize the importance of your home in your life, what would you say? For me, it's very important. 
for my home to have a sense of calm. It's like a, a refuge from the outside world. I need to come in and feel extremely peaceful. Mm. And when you close the door, I think everyone must feel like that. You know, you leave all the problems outside the door. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, yeah, I'm very careful about how you live in your home and like shouting and things like that. I think, no. Okay, so you, you don't like do to keep shouting. Very calm. Okay. You don't do that here. And if it does happen, I, 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 I stop it immediately. It doesn't, it, it, I just think you don't want to just, not to be too intense, but like your home is, is so important for your well-being, again, mm. like we were saying. And so you just have to, you know, keep the love energy going in your house. Right, so you think it has sure. an energy and you need to yeah. you nourish that. You have to nourish it. Yeah. You absolutely have to nourish it. Mm. And you can do that. It's just, you know. Yeah, you have to be very careful. Mm. Well, you don't have to be, but I think it's important. I think it's important because it's not easy out there, is it? It's not you easy know? out there. Yeah, it's yeah. not easy out there in the yeah. world. So when you come home, you know that's where you you create a, a loving environment. It's a great place to finish. Thank you for inviting me in, and it's really beautiful, and it does have a very calm energy I have thank to say you. so you've nourished the energy well thank you so much thank you it was lovely good <laughs> oh to be back in LA right now thanks so much to Jacqueline and thank you to all of you for listening we really do appreciate it we've timed the release of this podcast to coincide with a retrospective of Jacqueline's work at the Carpenters Workshop Gallery in London Uh, The exhibition runs until the 18th of November, so do go along and take a look if you can. Well worth it. As always, we'll put some photos of some of the houses we talked about today on our website, themodernhouse.com. And if you're enjoying homing in, it would be much appreciated if you could spare a moment to leave us a quick review. Uh, It makes a massive difference because it helps other people to find the show. So thank you in advance to anybody who's able to help us out with that. This episode was produced by The Modern House and edited by Oscar Crawford. I want to say as well a big heartfelt thank you to Hannah Phillips for all of her help with pulling these podcasts together, uh, to Tom Young for his brilliant graphics, and to Father for the original music. That's it from me, and see you next time.